Well, good morning again, and thank you for being here as we have this opportunity to continue on uh, in the story. And believe it or not, we're right to the, like the halfway point now. We're 50% of the way through, and I know in some ways it probably seems like it was going quickly. In other ways, it's probably seemed like it's been chapter after chapter. And today we come to a really important story, uh, uh, one that's uh, really, I think, uh, even though it takes place so many years ago, is so meaningful to our lives today. So let's begin with that this morning. You know, actually, before we get there, um, you know, it's coming up in just a few weeks, right? Just a few more weeks. We're going to have these two rival teams. Maybe your team is still in it. Maybe your team was out quite a long time ago. Maybe you look forward to it because you get to have a barbecue with your friends and family. Maybe you look forward to it because you're hoping there's going to be some halfway decent commercials this year. Either way, uh, the Super Bowl is just a few weeks away. And an audience in the United States of over 100 million will take time to be able to sit down and gather together and watch this battle take place. I bring this up because... Today, in chapter 16 of the story, if you read it already, there's the story of this epic battle that takes place. These two rival teams show up to create the beginning of the end. The home team is the people of Israel, the ones that we've been following every single week. Their coach is King Hezekiah. He is the leader of the people Their quarterback or team captain is the prophet Isaiah. So keep those individuals in mind. The people of Israel, home team. The captain of the team is Isaiah. The king, Hezekiah, being the coach. They're up against the visiting team, who are the foes, these evil individuals that are called the Assyrians. Team Assyria is led by an individual that is called King Sennacherib. Can you say Sennacherib? Sennacherib. Yeah, very good. King Sennacherib is one, and this is one bad dude. He is is not nice. He has a great beard, but he is not a nice guy. (laughs) King Sennacherib uh, is known for being able to formulate the power of the siege and the method of taking over different kingdoms. A siege was when an opposing force would come to some type of an area, uh, a kingdom, and they would surround them and they would cut everything off. Nothing would go in, nothing would come out. So they would cut off all of their food supply. Most kingdoms were formulated and founded upon an area where there was some type of a water source, usually that came through the city, usually that it was constantly moving, so they always had fresh water. The good would come out, the bad would leave, and King Sinatra would then dam up all of their water source. So now you have all of the people trapped inside of this city. They have a limited amount of food, They have a limited amount of water, and they cannot leave. And so the siege would hold them there until basically they would either starve to death, they would turn on each other, or they would give up. He's a bad guy, a bad team, but he's really smart in his offensive tactics that he takes. 
And so today, as these people come, they stand before the people of Israel, and the Israelites are, are greatly outnumbered. Uh, the people that are, are there, they're uh, really up against it. There's probably about 25,000 people inside of the city, and outside that's attacking, there are literally hundreds of thousands of others that are gathered there. And so the opposing force that stands begins to yell, begins to try to persuade begins to try to taunt the other people. But the first tactic they take is trying to be able to, to bargain with them. Look at this verse from 2 Kings. It says, Come now, make a bargain with my master. Imagine this. Somebody is standing outside the city, yelling at all the people who are inside the city. The king of Assyria, I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. He's basically trying to trick all the fighting individuals, all their big, strong men, into saying, that sounds like a pretty good deal. We are, we are really outnumbered here. 2,000 of us can get on horseback. This guy is going to give these to us. He's not trying to trick us. He's just trying to get rid of us. The 2,000 warriors leave, and then I will take everybody else, and I'm going to enslave them. And so they begin a little more. They begin taunting them. This isn't a, a stupid man, as I mentioned. He knows it's easier to be able to just siege the city, to be able to bargain with them. It will save him men in battle. It will save him time, and it will save him finances. And so they go back and forth for a little bit. Has the God of any nation ever delivered the land from his hand of the king of Assyria, who all of the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? What this individual is yelling to all the people is this isn't our, our first time doing this. We have taken over literally dozens and dozens and dozens of other kingdoms. And guess what? Every single one of them had some type of God or multiple gods that they said were going to save them. And you know how many saved them? None. You thought that Eagles game was bad last night? It's horrible. None. They don't get any points on the board. Nobody has ever beat them, ever. Not one person has ever come up against it. And so they're taunting them. Go for it. Try it. It's not going to happen. Isaiah and King Hezekiah, remember they're on the same team, our good team. They don't know what to do. And so they do the only thing that they can. They go to the Lord and they pray to him. And I don't think for this man this, this was necessarily a last resort. I think it's just the resort that they know they need to take at this moment. And I think for us this is an important one to be able to remember too. Pastor Mark talked to us about this last week of the importance of prayer in our life. Whether you've been a Christian for many, many decades or are a Christian just by a few days, Prayer is something that God has gifted unto us to be able to share with each other and especially with him. To be able to go to him at all times and at all places, especially when we're in those rough spots. And so let's just pause there just for a, a brief moment today. And I want to ask you that question. Do you bring your battles to God? Pastor Mark just prayed for three of our families that just like in the last five days lost a, a loved one. I talked to three people this week that were struggling with anxiety, super, super bad. 
I talked to one individual this week that was really just battled this young man against uh, alcoholism. And all of us know all those different battles that we or other people around us face, and they're difficult. We try so many different ways to be able to solve them or to be able to get over it or just push it aside when really we should be taking all of these battles to God. And so think about that this week. Think about it this morning. Are we taking our battles to God? And not as a last resort, but as a first resort. Our story continues on. Isaiah comes and he brings the people good news. He talks about Assyria and the king and he says, He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it. You know, this kingdom has actually done everything they should. King Hezekiah, out of the 38 kings that have not done a wonderful job over all this period with the people of Israel, there's only been about five of them that were individuals who honored God, and King Hezekiah is one of them. But even this individual in honoring God still has this battle that he faces. And in that moment, God comes and says, I have a promise for you. I'm going to defend you, and I'm also going to save you. You see, when we pray to God, that's the message that we should receive. No matter what you hear, and probably not in an audible voice, but knowing that our God comes both to defend you and to be able to save you. To defend you in all the things that we face here on this earth and to one day save all of us and take us to our heavenly home to be with him. But in those moments of the battle, it's, it's tough because we want God to be able to show up. And today in chapter 16, God shows up in a, a glorious way. His angel comes down from heaven and it says that this angel slaughters 185,000 of the individuals that are outside trying to be able to place their evil upon the people of Judah. And in this moment, the forces are so scared and they're so worried. The rest of them that are survivors, they leave. And in the end, we see God's promise comes to fulfillment and that he rescues his people. That was a story for the people then. And it's a story for all of us is God's people today that he promises he will rescue us, and he does. I probably don't need to remind you of that. I bet almost everyone in here today, when you came through those doors, already knew that Jesus dies on the cross for you, that he rises three days later, and then he saves you from all of your sins. I don't need to remind you of that rescue. But I do want to take a second moment today to be able to pause and ask you, Another question. You know that God has saved you, that God has rescued you. So does your life reflect God's rescue? Did your Monday through Saturday up until today, and then our next Monday through Saturday after today, reflect like we are God's rescued people? Because when you know you are saved, when you know you are rescued, we should live differently in response to what God has done for us. 
being able to know that we aren't doing things to be able to save ourselves or to honor ourselves, but to offer our life as a testimony to people who are around us. Are we living as people who are rescued by God? As chapter 16 continues, uh, Isaiah in chapter 6 of the actual Bible has this amazing vision. It's a vision of God sitting up on this huge high throne. It talks about his robe filling the temple. There's all these angels that are gathered around him and they're singing holy, holy, holy. And they're lifting up the Lord in his majesty. That he is seated right where he is supposed to be. Number one in the lives of God's people. The one that all are called to be able to honor and worship. Is that where God sits in our life. Most of you have been to a wedding before, I I assume. A lot of you have probably been to a wedding uh, right here in our own sanctuary or had a reception right here in our worship center. Imagine with me for today that you go to a wedding. Most of them look fairly similar for the most part. The groom stands up with the pastor in the front awaiting his bride to walk down the aisle. The song begins to play, the doors open, the bride comes as she is escorted down, and she is given away. It comes to that segment in the service in which the pastor begins to ask both the bride and the groom, do you take this man, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded husband, wife? And then they make this bond, this promise to one another. So imagine with me today that the bride comes down, and instead of being one groom there. There are three. Three. I know, ladies, this is crazy talk. Three grooms that are standing there. And the pastor says, do you take this man to be your husband? And she says, I do. He goes to the second one, do you take this man to be your husband? And she says, I do. You go to the third man, do you take this husband, this man to be your husband? And again, she says, I do. No joke on the third one today, as we usually do with jokes. Just the, the, the craziness that's there, right? What would you think if someone came forth to be able to pledge their life to their one and only, but did it three times in front of all of these witnesses? Sounds crazy in a relationship with a wedding, but what about in our relationship with, with God? Isaiah has that that vision of the Lord being seated in the throne and being number one, the one that we are supposed to be bound to. But what are all the other things in life that we bind ourselves to? That we form a relationship with things that aren't bad on their own. Hear me in that today. Things that are not bad on their own, but things that when they take an equal place to our God, maybe a, a, a higher place, then I, our God, they all become items of, of sin that hang on to us and break us down. Isaiah sees this in his vision and he, he recognizes this and it hurts his heart dearly. He says the words, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When Isaiah's eyes actually see that he is a sinner, that he is a person who has been rescued by God, but he's not a person who is living as one who is rescued by God, he is full of fear, he is full of guilt, he is full of pain, 
because he knows what he deserves. He deserves God's punishment, his wrath. He deserves death. He deserves eternal separation from God. But this is not God's desire for Isaiah, and it's not God's desire for you either. Our eyes have seen, I hope this morning, that we are that sinner, even though we are rescued. But God comes to be able to take that guilt away. It's a promise that he makes to all of his people. Isaiah says, Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew down to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, it has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. You will not hear better words than that all day. Not from me, not from Isaiah, from God himself. Take that guilt away. Know your sin has been atoned for. Those people, when they are there inside the, the city of Judah, imagine looking over that wall or peering through the, the cracks where the masonry wasn't just right and being able to see that battle that you were up against and being so worried. But then in the perfect moment, in God's promise, he sends this angel from heaven to be able to come down and to be able to remove that which they are up against. He did that for those people. And again, he does that for these people. Not just in the form of an angel, but in the form of his one and only son who comes down from heaven and he fights everything on our behalf. All of the sin, all of the death, everything the devil can throw at us so that we can live as God's rescued people. When Isaiah sees this and hears this, it changes who he is. That's where we close at for today. Isaiah has these words. He says, I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah responds in saying, Here I am, send me. Send me. I hope today you will respond in this same way because I promise God is calling to you. I don't know exactly how, or exactly what that looks like, but I know that his calling will be placed upon your heart and he just awaits for you by his spirit to be able to answer. That could be by uh, serving a neighbor in your community. It could be by volunteering at a local organization around us, at our preschool, at our church. It could be making a commitment like I am going to do for the children in Cambodia. It could be a lot of different things. But for it to be able to come to fruition, God gives us that free will to be able to choose, to be able to decide. His spirit mimics us and pulls us. And I hope you feel that today. As all of us can really raise our hand and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us uh, the gift of your Son here on this earth. And Lord, we ask that that mission will be so important to our hearts and to our lives that we will be dedicated to serving you in all things, remembering the promise that you have given to us through your Son. Lord, whatever is upon uh, our hearts that you place there today, allow it to come to fruition and to grow and to develop in your time and in your way. 
And Lord, again, just uh, one final prayer today for that school that you have challenged us to be able to outfit and be able to partner with in Cambodia in a short time to come. Allow us to be able to uh, do exactly what is needed there, Lord, to be able to give, to be able to serve, so that the final day uh, there will be children in heaven that know your good name because of what you have done through us. In Jesus we pray, amen.